Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be back with our guest, but first, let's hear from our podcast sponsors, starting with Violet Defense. Violet Defense is dedicated to protecting our world from germs by bringing the power of UV disinfection to everyday spaces. Their patented technology enables them to harness the power of the sun to incorporate ultraviolet light into products and environments like never before. Whether you're ready to implement existing products, or if you'd like to explore researching and developing a custom deployment of their technology for your school, Violet Defense has the solutions and the experience you need. Thanks again to Violet Defense for sponsoring the Educational AD Podcast and go to their website at violetdefense.com. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive. I've told you before, we actually have a Sideline Interactive video score table in our gym and our coaches love it. It's a great product. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department these days, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year while creating excitement in your gym and the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo to see their tables and boards in action and find out exactly what these fantastic products can do for you. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. We also want to thank Wall of Fame. Wall of Fame by Vital Signs has a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen options and an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history, along with your proudest moments, visit vitalsignswalloffame.com or learn more and get started on your own digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589 or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. We also want to thank Huddle. Huddle, we power sports. More than 180,000 teams, including the very best in the world, are using Huddle to elevate the performance of their teams and their athletes using video and analytics. Huddle is a complete performance platform. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras, including the Huddle Focus. We have a Huddle Focus in our gym and our coaches love it. Analytics, of course, and a whole lot more. Huddle's built for every level of play, from the youth programs up through high school and college and even on into the professional ranks. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and definitely the coaches of the college and university teams that you're trying to get your kids recruited to. If you want to find out more about how your school can become a member of the Huddle team, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, Huddle, we power sports. We also want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the Athletic Director's Toolbox segment of the podcast. 
Athletic surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your athletic program. Athletic surveys by Lifetrack also gives the 95% of your players and your parents who really love your program a voice and helps demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466 or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to thank Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can learn more at hometownticketing.com and make sure you check out our podcast every other Wednesday with Jessica Upchurch's segment, What's Up with Upchurch, as she shares some tips and tricks for hometown ticketing users. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We've got a real treat today. We're going back to my home state, to the great state of Oregon, and we're going to be visiting with Heather Seeley Roberts. Uh, coach Roberts is the head boys basketball coach at Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon, and it's significant in a couple of ways. Um, she has a tremendous uh, athletic and coaching background that she's going to share with us later on, but she's the first woman to be the head coach of an 8A basketball program in the state of Oregon. And a few years ago, uh, when she was the head coach at uh, Yamhill Carlton uh, High School, who she took to the state championship, she was the first woman in 80 years to coach a boys varsity program. So quite a trailblazer. And I'm going to let her tell you a little bit more about uh, herself. Heather Seeley Roberts, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. I do have to make one correction. We're 6A. That's the biggest we have in Oregon. We're not as big as Florida yet. So, <laughs> um, so I started, I grew up in Corvallis, Oregon, and I got interested in basketball and coaching when I went to Washington, Oregon State my favorite team ever, um, went to watch them play. And I remember getting an autograph on a popcorn box from one of the women players. And I was like, this is what I want to do. So I started, um, so I started playing. I played all through high school and um, really had a good experience and then played a year. And I went to Crescent Valley High School in Corrales and then had a year where I played at Lewis and Clark College. And at that time, that was division three. And then I transferred to Oregon State. And I'm not a division one athlete. So I started coaching back at my alma mater, Crescent Valley, with my high school coach, uh, Craig Ellingson, who I consider one of the greatest coaches ever. Um, so, and what I really liked about Craig is that he treated girls like athletes and not like girls. And what I mean by that is um, I felt that in the 80s, um, that's when I grew up, went to high schools in the 80s. And I felt like some coaches, um, didn't have as high as expectations for girls because there were girls and, you know, maybe they couldn't go as hard or couldn't be as tough. And I didn't see that until I went to my first, um, after I left Crescent Valley, then I went to my first teaching coaching job 
um, which was uh, at David Douglas High School in Portland. And the coach at that time, I felt treated the girls like girls and didn't have as high as expectations. So, um, and I was the freshman coach there. And after a year, Ashland High School called my high school coach, Craig, and said, hey, do you, would you be interested in coming to coach? And he said, no, but I know someone that might. So they got me the job. So I started co head coaching at 26. And so I took that foundation that Craig had taught me about um, treating girls like athletes. And so I had very high expectations for the kids. Um, I went into a program that had only won four games the year before. They also had two six foot three girls. So um, we were able to get the playoffs uh, that first year. And I had a really good run at Ashland High School. And we ended up going to state tournament three times. And at that time, I got a call from Lake Ridge High School, which is up in Lake, uh, is up in Lake Oswego, which is closer to where my family was. And they called. And so I went there for five years. And at that time, I coached um, the state player of the year for three years in a row. Her name is Jillian Harmon. She ended up playing Stanford and New Zealand Olympics, et cetera, and got second, third, and fourth at state. And then at that point, um, my own children um, were getting ready to go to high school. And so we ended up moving to a school we felt was a better fit for them at Canby High School. We coached there for six years. And then um, I went to a school called, at, in Salem called Sprague High School. And I'd always had a lot of success. So I'd been to playoffs um, at that time, I'd coached 16 years. So I'd been the state playoffs 15 out of 16 years. And then um, went to state tournament six times. And then I went to Sprague, which was the worst program in the state. I felt like I was a pretty good coach. And I went in there and after a month, I realized it doesn't matter what kind of coach I am if kids don't know how to shoot, pass and dribble. So it really changed my whole frame of mind about how do I still make this experience meaningful for the kids if we're not gonna have even a chance to um, win most games and go to the state tournament. So I really um, delved into making practice really competitive, teaching the kids a lot of things and, and making, I always did life skills, but it became, I think more, more apparent then because there's more to just playing basketball than the win losses. And it's about becoming better people. Um, so I was actually only there for a year and we actually did win six games. They'd only won one game the previous two years. So we won six. And then um, I went out to visit my daughter who was going to Southern Virginia University. It's a division three school back on the East coast. And I went to visit her and they were actually had a girls basketball, the women's basketball opening. They asked me to apply because they knew I coached. I love to interview and I love to talk. So anyways, I went in for the interview. I didn't think much about it, got the job. We decided to go out there. So I went out there for four years, really, really liked the division three and liked Southern Virginia a lot. And at that time, my youngest, I have five children, but at that time my youngest two were twin, our twins. They were coming up and they were getting ready to go into eighth grade and they were pretty good basketball players. Um, I married for breeding purposes. And so my husband's six foot seven. So the boys are really big. And I was like, you know what? I spent so much time coaching other people's kids. I would really like to coach my own. So at that point, we would come back to Oregon every summer and I would work because um, my husband's job was still in Oregon. So we'd come back and I'd work a lot of basketball camps. And so I still had a lot of connections in the state. So I started talking to people about, hey, what would you think of a woman coaching boys? And some people are like, no, that wouldn't work. And I was like, well, why wouldn't it work if men coach girls? That doesn't make any sense. And then other people were like, yeah, I don't see why that wouldn't work. And 
the thought, the one that conversation that stuck out the most um, was an athletic director from Sutherland, and he is a, that's a 3A school, which in Oregon is about 300 kids. And he said, you know what, we don't get resumes, people with resumes like you at the 3A level, you should really look at a small school. So I started, I was back in Virginia, I started applying for schools or applying for jobs. And one of my references called and said, hey, Yamhill Carlton is hiring. So I applied for the job, did the interview on Zoom, got offered the job. We flew back to Oregon. I didn't even know Yamhill and Carlton are actually two separate towns, which I did not know because all my coaching in the girls had been at 6A level. Um, so anyways, we went out there, we took the job. And I said, hey, you know, we may get a little bit of attention for this. And they said, well, we also should probably tell you we only won three games last year and we just graduated nine seniors. And I was like, super. So you just hired the first woman and we're going to be bad. And we were bad. Um, but what I had learned at Sprague and also at Southern Virginia, I also took over a program that wasn't really great, is I had been able to establish um, certain things that I wanted for my program that I'll talk about later here. Um, so I was able to build that. And so that was the third program that I'd kind of built. Um, so anyway, so we were there. Um, and my first year, my boys were in eighth grade, so they weren't even on the high school team, but it was good for me to establish myself, I feel, as a coach before they came in. And then I was just always Coach Roberts. They came in and we did only win four games my first year. We were not very good. Second year, um, the kids had been in the program for a year. My boys came in. They were pretty successful. So we won 16 games. And then the pandemic shut us down. So me and my boys actually moved to Utah for last basketball season. And we actually played at Grand and I actually coached at Grand High School in Moab um, and took over another program that wasn't very good. Anyway, and it, it, it was a fantabulous season. It was really fun because Oregon had shut it down. So we um, actually got fifth at state and the state tournament was done February 27th. Oregon opened back up for school, Yamhill, Oregon, opened back up March 1st, we came back. Then we got a little mini season in Oregon uh, for seven weeks and we won the state tournament. And then Portland called, so they called and they were, uh, they had just lost their coach at Lincoln. And so um, I was really happy at Yamhill Carlton, um, but we felt that it would be a good challenge for myself and for the boys to go to the 6A level. And in Portland, it's considered the best league in the state. Um, a lot of good basketball. So we went ahead and took it and here I am. And now I'm on your podcast. <laughs> yeah, I saw the article about uh, you had just been hired at Lincoln High School and they had a little bit of your background. That's when I reached out to you this summer. Uh, what a journey. And uh, uh, you've been involved uh, and you have developed uh, a number of highly successful programs. And when we say success, you know, we're certainly talking about wins and losses, but we're also talking about those other things of, you know, mm -hmm. developing kids and, and giving them lifelong skills. Um, uh, you don't know, I'm going to ask you this question. So I apologize okay. for the ambush here, but um, I, I, I've always been of the mind and I've been very fortunate as a coach to um, have great kids and, and have some great assistant coaches. And as an AD, um, you know, be at some great schools. So, you know, we've won our fair share of games, but my feeling is that the, the great programs, programs like you have been involved with, yeah, you got to have some horses, but the great programs really don't talk about winning. And I'm using my air quotes right now um, as a goal. 
Um, they do the things that put them in a position to be successful. And the winning is just a byproduct. Now, for someone uh, who, unlike me, has some state championship hardware to their uh, name, would you agree with that assessment or am I completely off base? I, I think it I do talk about winning, but I, but I also try to temper that with where is my team at? And to me, winning is, I think that's probably true. It's a byproduct of doing certain things. And so for us, that means commitment, hard work and coachability. And so we've come down to, that's kind of what I formulated at Sprague when I came where I feel like I always had a pretty good coaching philosophy, but then I really like um, solidified that because I think if you don't have a good foundation, you're not going to be as successful as you can be. And I think one of my greatest gifts as a coach is I see kids and teams where they can be. And normally this is where they are. And my job is to push them to reach that. Now, whether I'm at Sprague and maybe our win, you know, if we can get five wins, that's pretty good. Okay. If we're at Yamhill Carlton and we, and I've had the horses that year, a state title is there. And so I think, but that's a life skill, I think is pushing that. And that kind of answers your questions, but I, I think we do both. The other thing I do is I always do a goal meeting with the kids and I get the kids to tell me what goals they want to do. So when they said they want to win the state championship, for example, at practice, if we're not working very hard, then I would remind them you guys set this goal to win the state championship. This effort is not going to get it done. So then that way you're able to, so if you can get them to buy into your goals, then that way you can push them to remind them that they set it. Okay. Sometimes with some guidance from the coaches, obviously, but that, that we can push them to get there. Yeah, great stuff. I, I appreciate you sharing that. For listeners, we are visiting with Heather Seeley Roberts. She's the head varsity basketball coach at Lincoln High School in Portland. We're going to be back with some more, but let's take a quick break and hear from a couple of our sponsors. We want to thank Huddle for their support of our podcast. Huddle, we power sports. More than 180,000 teams, including some of the best in the world, use Huddle to elevate the performance of their teams and their athletes using video and analytics. Huddle is the complete platform for performance. They have online tools, mobile and desktop apps, smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. We have a Huddle Focus in our gymnasium and our coaches just love it. Of course, there's analytics and a whole lot more. Huddle is built for every level of play. The youth teams, high schools, colleges, and even up into the professional ranks, they all use Huddle. You're also in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes, a lot of their parents, and of course, the coaches of the college university teams that you're trying to get your kids recruited to. If you want to find out more about how your school can join the Huddle team, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Huddle, we power sports. We're back with Heather Seeley Roberts, the head varsity basketball coach for Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon. Coach, uh, we always like to ask our guests uh, about the mentors that they've had in their life. Uh, leadership is such an important part of uh, coaching and, and being an AD. So who uh, were some of your mentors? You know, Maybe family members or coaches you've had growing up or people you've worked with or worked for. Uh, the expression I like to use is, I still hear those voices in my head. So 
Whose voice do you still hear? Um, well, obviously my parents are my first one, both my mom and dad. Um, my mom was not a sports fan growing up, but she supported anything our kids did. And my dad was um, very encouraging. There was never anything because I'm a girl or something that I couldn't do it. And they both instilled um, hard work. But I would say my number one basketball mentor is my high school coach, Craig Ellingson. So um, he was, in fact, my junior year, I sat the bench big time. I mean, so I've done both roles and, and it was him that kind of taught me and my dad who wouldn't let me quit because I would go home crying every day when I wasn't getting to play. And, and in those days, parents didn't call coaches and say anything. So my dad just told me to suck it up. Um, but anyway, so I, I made it through the junior year, ended up having a good year as far as teammates and understanding the importance of everyone on the team. And my coach talked with me and gave me some straight up honest um, assessments of where I was at and what I needed to do if I want to get playing time as a senior. And so I did those things. I put in a lot of work and then started my senior year. And then when I, after I went back to Oregon State and started coaching with them, that's really when I delved into a lot of his philosophies, a lot of his ideas, how he treats players, his offensive defensive schemes. So a lot of what he did, did with his teams, I do with my teams coming down to um, our our offense that we run. I've changed defenses some, um, and just the way he treated kids and as far as having high expectations, not only on the floor, but off the floor as well um, for people. And so I still call him when I have questions. Um, he was really instrumental when I got my job at Ashland. I probably called him three times a week when I had questions. And I think that's so important today with young coaches. There's so much, um, there, there's just so much coming at coaches, you need to have someone that you can talk to. And so sometimes other coaches are, you feel like those are your only friends during basketball season. And so just being able to reach out and talk to um, those coaches. Um, and then another one is um, Mark Naffendorf, who's actually a really good friend of Craig Ellingson. And we ended up doing a lot of camps together being, and it was weird, like going from being a player to all of a sudden, then now you're coaching against these, um, against these you know, idols that you've had since being a young person. Um, and so he's been, um, he's taught me a lot about how to deal with um, administration because he's now in administration, um, leadership, how to stick to your principles. And then the third one I want to mention is a lady named Janine Gann. And she was actually the um, high school coach at North Salem when I was going to high school. And I actually did a report in when I was in college, a paper on the uh, what do I call it? The lack of women in the high school coaching scene. And she was one of the few women that were coaching at the time in the eighties. And so I was able to reach out to her and she was able to help me. And ironically, the percentage I would say of women coaching is about the same in high school in Oregon as it was in the eighties, as it is now. The college scene is probably way higher um, with a lot more women coaching on the girls' side, but it's that, that sign's probably the same. Wow. I mean, that, that's so great that you can still reach out to those mentors that you talked about, but uh, kind of crazy about uh, the percentages of um, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the lack of women coaches. Mm -hmm. um, let's go and talk about that. You and I uh, visited a little bit before we came on. Um, and uh, of course, it is unique. And the perception is, you know, wow, this is, um, you know, very rare and very special. And it is that, you know, a woman is coaching, you know, at the 6A level in Oregon. But um, 
talk about that a little bit, um, you know, challenges or, you know, do you, you know, you just wish it w would go away? Is it a distraction? Um, you know, obviously you, you had tremendous success. You know, anybody looking at your resume would say this person, man or woman, but this person can coach. Okay. We need to get her at our school uh, or we need to get this coach at our school. Uh, so can, can you talk a little bit about that? I guess the, the challenge of, of being, um, you know, that, trailblazer? Yeah. So I remember when I first was asking people like, Hey, what do you think about this? Honestly, people said to me, they go, well, what are you going to do in the locker room? What are you going to do when you go into the boys locker room? And I'm like, what do all the men coaches do when they go into the girls locker room? It's like, that's, it's such an inconsequential issue. I mean, that was what they were worried about why I couldn't do it. Um, but I just always believe that I can do whatever I set my mind to. Um, so when I got the job, I remember walking in the very first date, it was to a summer practice at Yamhill Carlton. Now I never coached high school boys. I'd coached youth boys, never coached high school boys. And I just, and, and the other funny thing was there was news cameras there at our very first summer practice. I mean, what summer practices have news cameras, but anyways, so I walk in and I just started in and just started treating them like, like I would girls or just like athletes. And I give those kids a lot of credit and I don't know if it's because they hadn't been very good the year before or they were just raised to be respectful or whatever, but they listened from the get go. So I never felt like I was treated differently um, by my players than they would treat a man coach. But to be honest with you, I never saw them with a man head coach, so I don't know. Um, but they always treated me with respect. They listened. Now I had to be very specific about what being coachable was with eye contact, acknowledging and changing behavior. So I was very specific with that, but they, they were always very good about following. Um, some differences though, here's some differences though. When they get done with practice, the boys want to rip their shirts off. And then I say, I'm not talking to you if you don't have a shirt on. Okay. Cause I always expected my girls to wear a shirt over their sports bra. So they told them a sports bra is not a shirt you need to wear. A shirt. So I told the boys same thing. And then I call it um, look at me type. So at the end of practice, then we all have to practice dunking or practice our half court shots or practice whatever. And then coach, look at me, coach, look at me, coach, look at me. It seems like that's more of a boy thing than a girl thing. And then the other thing I've noticed is when you walk into a gym and AD should really go look at this. You walk into a gym for girls practice and the girls are sitting down and they're playing on their cell phones and the boys are up shooting, not shots you want them shooting in a game. Once again, it's the half court shots out of bounds on top of the bleachers. So they're shooting. That's another difference that I've noticed. Um, but as far as playing and respectful, I, I haven't really found a bunch of differences. Um, the only thing I would say physically, boys can, I, I never had a girl that could dunk, though I know that there are some out there. I never had any of the high school scene. So boys can um, jump higher, run faster, do some different things that way. Um, and as far as other coaches, I just go in, I don't know if they treat me different, but I just go in like, we're going to be friends. And I just go up and start talking with them. And so um, I found my first year coaching my, my better friends coaching. I became where other coaches that were also in the rebuilding stage of coaching. Um, and they were the ones I thought that were most friendly to me and reached out. Um, ones that had been more successful, they weren't quite as friendly. And I don't know if it was because I was a woman or because I was newer, my program wasn't very good, um, but I did find that. And then I only found there was only a couple places that I went to where I felt I got harassed because I was women from the fans. Um, but that was fine. I, I get fired up at that stuff. So I don't mean, but they're like, 
tell the lady to sit down, tell that woman to get quiet. And then I maybe have bothered refs. I don't know if it's because I'm a woman, but maybe I sound like their nagging wife while they're running up and down the floor. I don't know. So every once in a while, like a, like a refs, they don't say like, sit down woman, you know, they just like sit down. And, and sometimes I feel like that they're, that they're treating me a little bit different, but maybe it's because I'm new. So I'll give them the benefit of the doubts. Well, as a um, high school basketball official, I, I can tell you that I, I think it's pretty much like the players, um, man or woman, it doesn't matter. You know, can this person coach? Okay. Yeah. And as an official, you know, pretty quickly by the way the team plays and by the communication from the coach to the players, if this coach knows what they're talking about and, you know, I'll, I'll listen to that head coach that knows how to coach all day long. But, uh, but I'll tell their assistants to sit down and shut up. Okay. We are visiting with Heather Seeley Roberts, the head varsity basketball coach at Lincoln High School in Portland. Uh, we're going to be back with some more, but let's take another quick break and hear from one of our podcast sponsors. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive. We have a Sideline Interactive video score table in our gym, and it is tremendous. You really need to get in touch with these folks. You know, it's becoming harder and harder to fund an athletic department these days, but Sideline Interactive's indoor scoring tables and video boards can generate $10,000 or more every year, while also creating excitement in the gym and the ultimate game day experience for your student-athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo to see their tables and boards in action and find out exactly what these fantastic products can do for you. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. You won't be disappointed. Once again, we're back with Heather Seeley Roberts from Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon. Coach, uh, one of the things we like to do with the podcast is this idea of sharing best practices. So what are some things that, you know, you've been involved with, maybe even programs you've initiated at your schools that you're particularly proud of, uh, that when people sit back and look at it, they would say, wow, that is really a best practice. Do you have anything you can share? Um, yeah, and so, well, that's interesting. Um, so I was going to talk about those same things that I talked about earlier when I when I really framed what um, these three things about commitment, coachability, and hard work. Um, to me, those are best practices because when I was able to, you know, I talked about all those things, but when I was able to formulate them, and so now no kid can make any team. Um, at any program I've been to, unless they meet those three things. And if they're not willing to work hard, be coachable or be committed, then that's during basketball season, then they're not going to be part of the team. And then we go on to other things, obviously talent, athletic ability, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think the other part that's become really that I've become better at over the years is this, what exactly is coachable? Cause that's one of those words. A lot of times we throw these buzzwords or these words out here and kids need to know exactly what they mean. And, I, and as I've um, developed my coaching, as I think I've become better over the years, I become more specific about what does this look like? Cause they need to know. So for me, like I said, it's the eye contact. So when I'm talking, I expect them looking 
Two is acknowledge. And so acknowledge is yes, coach, nodding your head. And then three is changing behavior. What is it not is offering me an excuse about why they did whatever. And so, or giving me a reason why. And so we tried, I really try to keep it all back though because if kids aren't willing to learn then it makes it very difficult, I think for coaches to do their job. The other thing I become pretty good at because I've dealt with a lot of programs and some programs in some, how do I put this in some areas where families and parents have pretty high expectations. And so I am, um, try to be very transparent. So I have what I call a coach's packet that I put together, an info packet that I give to, and in fact, I just had my meeting this week. So I give all the parents and kids an info packet to read with all our information. And then I give them a commitment sheet, which I expect them to read and then sign off. I also give them a calendar and they write down any days that they will be missing from the calendar. So I can know that going in because I want them to understand it's a commitment. And then one other thing that I, and then I also have them fill out an info sheet. And this is one other thing that I've learned over the years is I now put on the sheet, what team would you be willing to play for? And so that I put varsity JV or any on there. And I say, if you want to be part of the program, you're going to put any, but sometimes kids have certain expectations. And like, so I say, now, if you put varsity and you're not top skilled, you're telling me you don't want to be part of the program. And so I want them to think about really what they're saying. And I have um, a couple of times kids have put varsity and, and they haven't been there. And then they just say, I don't want to play. And, and I don't try to beg, I never try to beg kids to play because if it's too much work and, um, and people are relying on them and if they don't want to put the time and effort in um, or they have these certain expectations um, that aren't going to be met, then it's going to be not a great season for them and possibly for the team. And so those are just some things that I've learned about best practices. The other thing I'm a big person into is conditioning. Um, I believe in it. I know some coaches don't like it. I like it. Um, and so I have some conditioning drills that I do every week. And when the kids, so one's called a pyramid drill and one called a seven minute drill and they're timed drills. And they're hard, they're really hard. But I think what it teaches is one, it gets you in shape, but two, it makes kids mentally tougher. And I think that's one thing sports today is one of the few places where our kids can face adversity in a safe environment. Because I think that we've taken away so many things um, that struggle for them. So they don't know how to deal with adversity. And so I think sports is one of those places. And conditioning's hard, it's supposed to be. But the kids take pride when they do it. Um, then when we're playing a game and I'm like, Hey, this is fourth quarter. Who's done the pyramid drill us, not them. And so you can get them to buy in. And then they also get a shirt when they meet these two times. So it's something that they accomplish. And then they wear these shirts and they're quite proud of themselves. And it's something that my players talk about, like my players from Ashland 30, well, now I long been coaching 25 years later, then they'll go, Oh, the pyramid, are you still making them do the pyramid? And so those kind of things that I think are little tweaks to whatever your program is so that kids remember that. No, it's not, though it's hard, they, they do remember it with fondness. And so you want them to have some good things. So those are just some things that I've done to help maybe my life as a coach, me clear with the parents and then um, to get the kids to buy in. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, the two, thing, two things you mentioned, it was all great, but uh, you know, the eye contact, uh, I remember as a head football coach and, you know, we're huddled up, you know, I, I wanted those eyes on me and, and uh, we let the kids know that's how you are coached. 
And then, uh, you know, your t-shirts, uh, we had something, uh, that I borrowed from a Crescent Valley coach of all things, uh, the tough 20, uh, mm -hmm. and you had to earn that t-shirt. So really great stuff. For listeners, we are visiting with Heather Seely Roberts, the head varsity basketball coach at Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon. We're going to be back for some more, but let's take one more break and hear from some of our podcast sponsors. We also want to thank Wall of Fame. Wall of Fame by Vital Signs has a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They provide a variety of interactive touchscreen options along with an extensive library of templates to make it easier than ever to recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. For ideas on how to showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments, visit vitalsignswalloffame.com or learn more and get started on your own digital Wall of Fame tribute. Call them at 614-981-3589 or sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Once again, we're back with the head boys basketball coach at Lincoln High School in Portland, Oregon, Heather Seeley Roberts. Coach Roberts, um, a question that we've been asking our uh, athletic directors for the past couple of weeks um, revolves around this topic of, you know, social emotional health. Uh, we really had a kind of a deep dive discussion uh, right after the Olympics with Simone Biles and, and, and her very candid comments about some of the challenges that she was experiencing as an elite athlete. So my question is this, how can an athletic director or even a head coach find a, a balance between what you might call, uh, uh, hey, you got to be tough. You know, you got to suck it up, uh, hard-nosed approach, while also being aware of and sensitive to the very real social emotional challenges that a, a Generation Z kid is experiencing. Uh, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, that's you know, and I think that's something that we all have to navigate. Um, I remember I've changed a lot in my coaching years, and I remember when I started having children. Well, we adopted our first children then had some, I changed as a coach. I was much more hard nosed. Um, and, and I think how I changed is, is I understand that they're kids and they make dumb decisions sometimes. And I don't always make the best decisions. So sometimes, so, you know, that, that I think I gave a little bit more grace than what I used to. Um, I still have very high expectations. I'm not a big yeller, but I let them know if things aren't going well. But the other thing I think helps is if you really spend that time to develop relationships with them. You know, so when kids come in, I always greet them by name. I try to have a little conversation. How was your weekend? How's school going? So if you can build those relationships, um, hopefully the kids will be able to come to you if they are having a tough time and some things. The, the other thing I encourage kids to do is like, yeah, life is tough, but basketball can be that escape. So when you step on the floor, that's your chance to, you know, let all, let all that extra stuff go. And, you know, and the endorphins that we get um, and being part of a team, I think that that can be really um, positive for someone's well-being as well. Um, and the other thing I think that kids need to know is they are valued no matter whether they're playing 32 minutes or 32 seconds. Each kid is very, very important. 
um, to part of the team. I played both roles, so I know both roles and they're both difficult, um, but that you're equally important and that you don't, you don't get your value by how much time you play. And so you want them to feel like they're a part of a team. Um, and then I also, um, some other things that I do is I've always done, and I, I wasn't sure this was also something with boys, but I did um, do it with my boys two years ago, is I always did goal books. Um, so I would put together, I had all their games written, and then I had um, the top, like, so let's say we were playing Milwaukee, and then the bottom was a little quote, and then the girls would write down their goals for that game. And some kids drew pictures, some kids just kind of wrote number goals, some kids used it like a journal. And then I would write, then at the end of every game, I would write comments back. And it was amazing how when I gave them the goal books the next day at practice, they'd rip them open and want to read what I wrote. And so I think kids want that feedback. So you need to find a way to give kids feedback and communicate with them. Um, and, you know, the two positives with the negative, you know, that, that you don't want to sugarcoat things, but be honest, but also let them know what they are doing well. But I think kids value that and they want to feel valued, which I think can help with that emotional social learning, you know, that they are important to you and important to the team. Oh, absolutely. And there's so many ways, and you talked about the idea of, you know, coaching toughness, but also that part of that, um, uh, part of that equation is the relationship that you've built with those kids over the course of the season. Really, really good stuff. Um, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and find out what uh, Coach Roberts will put in her athletic director, or I guess we could say head coach toolbox, uh, athletic surveys by Lifetrack sponsors our AD toolbox segment. And uh, we'll be back in just a minute to find out uh, what a state championship coach uh, is going to put in her toolbox. Stay with us. Once again, we want to thank Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack for sponsoring the AD Toolbox segment of our podcast. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also gives you access to the 95% of the players and the parents who really love your program. And it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Well, Heather, uh, this has just been really cool uh, getting to know you a little bit more and, and hearing about your programs, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always like to wrap up with what we call the Athletic Director's Toolbox. Now, you're not an AD, but you're certainly no stranger to success in the world of athletics. So we're going to tweak this just a little bit. You know, as an experienced varsity head coach that, as we've already mentioned, brought home some significant hardware, um, what would you put in a new coach's toolbox? 
what sort of tools, and I'm only going to give you three, uh, do you think a new coach should have in their toolbox? Okay, I would say number one is your philosophy. Now, there's lots of different ways to play basketball, and I see a lot of coaches try to go, oh, I'll do a little bit of this or a little bit of that. And they try to copy someone else. And I think we all copy each other, but whatever you decide that your team is gonna run. So for example, we run a full court press. Not everyone can handle a full court press, but that's what we do. And, and that you gotta own it because if you're gonna own it, you gotta sell it to the kids. And I always tell the kids, there's lots of ways to play basketball, but the way at Lincoln, this is how we're gonna play it. So I think you need to have your philosophy and you need to believe in it so the kids will believe in it. Um, number two is you need good assistant coaches. And we talked a little bit about mentors. You need people that, that um, will support you, um, that aren't going to backstep. Loyalty is my number one thing. The X and O's can come. Um, that's not as important to me as someone that if a parent comes up and go, what is Heather doing? Blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, I know what is she, you know, that's not going to work. They've, you've got to all be on the same team. Um, and so you've got to make sure that the coaches that you're with people that will tell you the truth, but be honest. And you don't always have to agree, but you're never going to disagree in front of kids or in front of parents. So you need to have the people that you can trust around you. And then the third part is I would say you need to be organized. Um, I think some coaches get themselves in trouble when they're not organized. And I think a little organization on your part um, will help. I always include the parents with it because I understand being a parent, send out a weekly email, send out the calendar of the parents. Don't expect the kids, especially boys, that's probably another difference between boys and girls, to relay all the information to their parents because then parents get frustrated and then it kind of creates some issues. So, you know, um, be upfront. So like I said, I sent home a packet, I sent home a calendar, I sent home and COVID season, we all remember how that was. I don't know, it was in Florida, but Oregon, no day ever was planned exactly. So I was constantly sending emails so people could um, be in touch. So I would say being organized would help. I do have other ones, but those are my three I would go with. That's, that's okay. We always, uh, good coaches, good ADs, you're always going to try to sneak something extra into that toolbox. Okay. Coach, um, again, this has been really great. Uh, if one of our listeners wants to reach out and pick your brain a little bit, uh, is there a good way to uh, get in touch with you? Maybe email. Yes. Do I just give it with you? Just go and uh, give that email out. And um, okay. if somebody misses it, they'll have to play this back. Okay. So YC boys basketball at gmail.com. I haven't changed it yet. So anyways, ycboysbasketball at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter, but I can't even remember my Twitter handle now. So, but I don't get on it very often. Something about Lincoln coach. I think it's coach Roberts Lincoln or something like that. So, but anyways, well, this was super fun. I love that you're doing it. I, I think it's great. Um, I think that we learn from each other. And I think that would probably be another thing I would put in the toolbox is always always be learning from other people. I think that we don't all know it all and that's where we want to share. And coaches really can be each other's best friends and best allies, you know? And so I think that that's really important, but I love this. I think this is a great idea that you're doing. Oh, well, thank you so much. All of those suggestions, uh, including the ones you just mentioned, Lifelong Learner, they're going to go in the second edition of the Athletic Director's Toolbox book. So that's going to be coming out uh, probably summer of 2022. 
Heather Seeley Roberts. Thank you so much for being on the program and all the best to you and the Lincoln Varsity Boys team this coming season. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. For our listeners, um, remember the Zoom recordings of these interviews are being uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. We appreciate you listening today. Come back again next time for another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. Don't forget Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can learn more by going to hometownticketing.com and check out every other Wednesday, What's Up with Upchurch. Jessica Upchurch of Hometown Ticketing shares uh, tips and tricks for all you hometown ticketing users. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Thank you.